0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, and I'm Melody Sederstrom, and I'm very pleased to welcome back to the program James Corbett. And as you know, James is the founder and editor of The Corbett Report, Um, and you can always visit his website, thecorbettreport.com, thecorbettreport.com, and don't forget that he also became the editorial writer for The International Forecaster, and of course, which was created by the economic analyst, Bob Chapman, and uh, we do so miss Bob. And you can always ask for a complimentary issue of the International Forecasters that is still going. And we appreciate James for all the hard work that he does and putting the uh, uh, articles in there each and every week. You do a fantastic job. And just what you do at your website is just astonishing. It's amazing. You've got such great uh, information. And um, But uh, visit the International International Forecaster's website at the theinternationalforecaster.com. So please do so, ladies and gentlemen. Please support them. Um, and be so kind as just as you support discount gold and silver. We thank you. Um, James, I, I'm not quite sure where I want to begin today. <laughs> Since we last talked, um, as you know, things have become quite volatile. And, um, I mean, it was only a week that the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell made his decision to lower rates a quarter point, and since then all heck has broken out, uh, in addition to some other things. We saw gold uh, drop, to it hovered around $1,400 for a day, and now we're at 1500 And this is all happening in a week, in a week's time. So I'm not sure where, I, I, I kind of like to have it laid out a little bit better than, than what I do, but... Let's just start with negative interest rates. $15 trillion of government bonds worldwide. 25% of the markets now trade at negative yields. This has tripled since just last year. This is a record high, even in Germany. The 30-year government bond went negative for the first time. Debt in Europe and Japan has been at zero or negative interest rates for a very long time. Um, there's a lot of talk that the U.S. Treasuries negative yield. Can you share with the listeners where does this all lead? How does it aff- And I think what people miss most is how this all truly affects them and their retirement accounts, their pension accounts. So where does this all lead? Is this something that we should care about?
1: Yes, it is. And I will defer to Charles Hugh Smith on this one. People might know out there that he runs the Of Two Minds uh, blog. And he has been writing about this recently, uh, specifically in a post called Nothing is Guaranteed that I think is worth uh, quoting from because he makes some good points. He says, the American lifestyle and economy depend on a vast number of implicit guarantees, systemic forms of entitlement that we implicitly feel are our birthright. Chief among these implicit entitlements is the Federal Reserve can always save the day. The Fed has the tools to escape either an inflationary spiral or a deflationary collapse. But there are no guarantees this is actually true. And he goes on to talk about some of the ways that the Fed can save the economy. Namely, uh, the Fed's fix to deflationary defaults is equally destructive. Bailing out too-big-to-fail lenders will spark a political revolt that could topple the Fed itself, as the populace has finally connected the dots between the Fed bailing out the banks and financiers and the astounding rise in income and wealth inequality. And he says, other than the phantom wealth of real estate and stock bubbles, the vast majority of the wealth generated by the Fed's actions of the past 20 years has flowed to the top 0.1%. And then he also makes the point the Fed's other trick to halt a deflationary collapse is negative interest rates, in effect, taxing savers and those holding cash and rewarding those who borrow. Negative interest rates destroy every institution that depends on relatively low-risk interest income via bonds, pension funds, insurance companies, etc and that is i think where we start seeing where the rubber meets the road for the average person who thinks well how does this affect me i don't know it all seems up in the sky no i mean assuming that you have that you're involved in a pension fund or that uh, you uh, you interact with insurance companies you you are involved in the economy in some way and you're in it for the long haul you're thinking about retirement you're thinking about future savings this will affect you and largely in a negative way Um, unless you happen to be in the position of borrowing and borrowing massively in order to reap the dividends of negative interest which of course is the exact opposite of everything that you've ever thought of with regards to interest this is twilight zone that uh, at least is being put on the table and as we've seen in japan and as you say in germany and other places is already being tested they're dipping their toes into that water uh that's the kind of economic inversion of reality that would have literally been unthinkable a couple of decades ago. If you had said negative interest rates, people would have laughed in your face. Those self-same people are now touting them as the savior to this problem that the Fed itself has created by blowing up the bubble and then watching it collapse in 2007-2008 and bailing out the banks so that they could reinflate the bubble um, with useless, as Charles Hugh Smith points out, useless wealth quote-unquote, of real estate and stock bubbles that themselves are destined to to pop at some point. Um, this is a very precarious state. And one of the, I think, one of the really alarming things of the past week is that it has proven the point that uh, a very likely scenario for a future stock market crash would be when and if the Fed's rate cuts suddenly prove to be useless. They, they don't really have the intended effect of propping the markets up again well that seems to be what we're seeing right now with uh, a lot of certainly a lot of volatility and some large n- downward action this week even despite the fed rate cut the fed rate cuts are now already priced in so what are they going to do their their main mechanism for p- propping up this bubble is uh, fast drawing to a close that should be worrying for everyone
0: how did these negative rates affect derivatives
1: uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that's above my pay grade. But uh, I mean, as people know, derivatives are, 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 of course, essentially bets on the upward or downward movement of other assets, other underlying assets. And so it depends on what types of uh, derivatives we're talking about and what assets they're based in. But certainly, if you have uh, rate cuts or even negative interest rates uh, in an inflationary environment, where you're going to start seeing the uh the, the potential popping of real estate bubbles for example which of course let's remember this is what brought about the lehman collapse and the the ensuing years of worry that was papered over by the fed almost quite literally by putting trillions of dollars on their on their books that's the kind of thing that could blow up the derivatives market and that was in fact one of the the major concerns when they saw what was happening with Lehman one of the major concerns was oh how is this going to affect for example AIG and all these others who were tied up in Uh, collaborative uh, debt obligations and other types of fancy financial instruments, how are they going to blow up? Who's going to be on the other side? Who's going to be left holding uh, holding the bag of these derivative bets, essentially, on the economy that just went up in smoke? And it ended up being the Fed basically papering that over. But uh, that's uh, when you look at the actual derivative, uh, well, for one thing, I mean, it's important to point out, we don't know how much supposed nominal wealth actually exists out there in derivative land because there's no body that's keeping track of it but it has been messed, estimated up to a quadrillion dollars of quote-unquote wealth which of course is laughable because there isn't a quadrillion dollars in the in the global economy but still as much as a quadrillion dollars of estimated potential wealth quote-unquote is is in the derivative markets if that truly went down if there was truly a black hole that was sucking all of that in That would be the end of entire institutions, entire banks, the banking system as we know it. Um, That would be the type of doomsday uh, apocalypse, which is why I I imagine they probably will not allow that to happen, as they did not allow it to happen in 2008. But the only way to not allow it to happen would be massive bailouts, um, even beyond what we saw in the 2008 2009 crisis. And as Charles Hugh Smith notes, as I think, again, I think he it's quite accurately. Um, the people, I don't think, will stand by idly while another massive bailout takes place because they have, in his words, finally connected the dots between the Fed bailing out the banks and financiers and the astounding rise in income and wealth inequality, which I think is quite palpable at this point.
0: I don't know. I mean, I could argue the point that people will allow government or the Federal Reserve or whoever you want to say, do whatever they need to do. If they see their funds, if they see their pensions, they're disappearing. They might not support it, but they're not going to stop it. My question is, if the Fed runs out of steam, they're not going to be able to do anything to save the economy anyway.
1: True. They won't
0: be able to bail them out.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, it's a confidence game. And at the point that people lose confidence, the game is over, Um, which is a scary proposition for the people who are trying to manipulate our reality, because, again, that that that's the fundamental bubble. It's essentially a thought bubble that can be pricked at any moment by people simply realizing that the man behind the curtains really doesn't have any magical wand that he's going to use to save the economy. It's all just paper promises, and when the Pied Piper comes looking for uh, payment on those paper promises. Well, who's going to pay them? Well, it's going to end up being you and me, and Main Street is going to be asked to bail out Wall Street again. Now, keep in mind, I mean, I know a decade in current years feels like a a hundred years, maybe a thousand years, but it was a decade ago that in the wake of those bailouts and the massive boondoggle that took place on the back of Lehman and all that, um, was the birth of uh, dueling movements that I think were essentially coming from the same place, namely the the Tea Party movement and the Occupy movement. I think they were both coming from the same place, which was looking at that utter boondoggle of the banks and the banksters and the banks' cronies being bailed out at the expense of the average taxpayer, um, did create mass mass uprising, which manifested in populist movements that, of course, got splintered off and got taken over by establishment political party hacks and became left and right and all of that nonsense. But I think both movements really came from the same place, which was an understanding that uh, fundamentally it's us versus them. And that that was expressed in, you know, the 99% and other kind of catchphrases like that. And I think that is the roots of the populist nationalist politics that we're seeing right now, or at least one of the important routes through which the the, the last few years of pol- politics, I think, has to be read. I think we have to understand it came from that. And so I think we are in a fundamentally different place than we were back in 2008. And I'm not sure the public would just sit by idly while this takes place. Now, what, what would they do about it and what could they do about it is perhaps another issue altogether, and perhaps that depends on things like the FBI coming out and saying any conspiracy theorists who might talk about, you know, banksters trying to create a world government, well, they're clearly domestic terrorists, and we need to crack down on them. This is where stuff gets real. This is where things start to to happen, potentially. Again, if we go to that place of bailing out the banks once again at the expense of the taxpayer that really does start to draw battle lines that I don't think anyone really wants to see that battle take place, um, at least not in terms of the carnage that that kind of thing could bring.
0: We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on in the program. But, you know, to one degree, yes, there is so much anger and violence in this country right now. I mean, we see it. They have divided us. It used to be us against them. Now it's us against us. We see this uh, this social unrest that is beginning to uh, develop People, it seems, are angry. They've, I don't think they're quite sure at what. They're, they're angry at what they're told to be angry at, they're reacting. Uh, I guess maybe it's uh, where there's an action there's a reaction or to some degree so yeah it's it is a lot different and I'll tell you what James I never thought in my young 39 years chuckle chuckle that I'd be talking about what is reality and what isn't (laughs) and that the illusions have been created to it, it, it truly is a twilight type zone circus that we are living through and it's it it's amazing, and and that's why it's so hard for people to really grasp what's truly going on. Yes, and I what think, is being I think done a, to them.
1: An important part part of that is. Our, our deracination, to use a big word, um, we're, we're becoming unrooted from even recent historical events. And I just had cause to reflect on this earlier. I was recording my uh, New World Next Week news program that I record with James Evan Pilato every week. And we were just reflecting on this, that just 10 or 15 years ago, one of the major terror hysteria fears at that time was Al-Qaeda was going to unleash a wave of uh, mass shootings at malls. That was going to be the next stage of the the attack on, on America and people were were bracing for that and that was i, I remember that t- type of talk being in the air 15 years ago but 15 years ago seems like forever ago and now it we're seeing these types of mass shooting events and uh, to get to the point where it is generating hysteria and you're seeing stampedes of people trying to run away from backfiring motorbikes in times square that and causing you know injuries and even i believe some deaths um people are on their edge about this and it seems to me to relate quite back to what we were just talking about a decade a decade and a half ago but it really does seem like a different a different era of human history at this point and i think a part of that is not just the 24/7 but the uh I, 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 we need a new term for it the Uh, 60 minutes 60 seconds down to the second new never-ending scrolling newsfeed that keeps us constantly constantly thinking and focusing on the now and never getting to connect it back to events say 10 years ago or 15 years ago let alone events 100 years ago like the foundation of the federal reserve
0: so you know because we have this news feed like you just explained that keeps our tensions that keeps our emotions that keep we're all jacked up 24
1: 7 I think so. And and also another part of that is what feeds into what you were saying there. You're reflecting on how what might have been some sort of movement that brought us together in the wake of the bailouts, uh, i.e. everyone was outraged at the, the, the Feds bailing out the banks, has incredible been completely and utterly dismantled in terms of splintering in identity groups versus other identity groups and left versus right, and every way that 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 group that that could come together has been divided up, and I think part of that is because again we we can't really connect what's happening today to what happened ten years ago, let alone you know a hundred years ago and that that is keeping us from understanding the nature of the issue and coming together on these issues
0: Is this all by design?
1: Uh well I mean I don't I don't I, there are many different ways that we can look at the various blueprints that have been floated by would-be social engineers over the past century or two um but in terms of I mean can can you find the smoking gun blueprint that they wanted to do it precisely this probably not but if you were a would-be ruler of society, and you did want to benefit society to your benefit and the benefit of your bankster buddies, could you think of a better way to engineer society than what we are, the position we are in right now? I mean, even if it wasn't by design, it is the perfect place for they, them, those to be in.
0: Monday, the U.S. declared China a currency manipulator. Today's, (laughs) again, it seems like it was weeks ago, it was days ago. Uh, China is a currency manipulator, uh, long building this trade tensions between the world's two largest e- economies. And um, so, currency wars. Where do we go from here? Waging a currency war could come at a big cost. And I'm just going to let you think about that through the break, and uh, we'll touch on this when we come back. Please stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. You're listening to Financial Survival, and I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and thank you for joining us. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Financial Survival. I'm Melody Sederstrom, and I'm here with our good friend James Corbett, heading into the break. Yes, I was trying to get to the topic of currency wars between the United States and, and uh, um, our country, our president, uh, our president and China, I should say. And um, But are we the only ones involved in a currency war, James? Or are we in a currency war? Are we headed to one?
1: I think we have been in one for some time. It's just uh, to what extent is that openly acknowledged. And placing China on the currency manipulator uh, list is an extremely important step towards acknowledging that. Um, I mean, there's just... this This is kind of the bigger macro game of what's going on. And I think this is an incredibly important step. Again, not necessarily because it is... It is in and of itself the defining moment of anything, but that it is at least a recognition that there is a currency war that's going on and that the U.S. is involved in it, Not on, as you say, not only with China, but with any number of states around the world. And I think, ultimately, we have seen this before, this type of race to the bottom, this kind of beg, beggar-thy-neighbor policy. Uh, we have seen people, uh, when, when nations start warring, about devaluating their currency and no oh, you're you're undercutting us and unfortunately the historical example i'm thinking about was the 1930s where of course this was happening at that time and that was a contributing factor towards obviously not the single factor but a contributing factor towards the ultimate outbreak of war in Europe and ultimately the war uh, the world war so that i mean this is this is not light stuff it is not to be taken lightly and i certainly don't take it lightly i think that uh, this represents a a big escalation, um, perhaps one of the most important escalations in this China-U.S. trade war that's taken place in some time.
0: Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, discussions about the this trade war. You know, basically, uh, President Trump, President Xi, um, they all know the election is next year and the an agreement will be done next year. Um that this is all a political...
1: Well, actually, I mean, yeah. that's it's interesting to bring up that perspective because I think that's where the U.S.-China dichotomy really happens because we do have Trump, who is looking to be re-elected next year and who will be out in 2024, so anything that happens after that point is not on his watch. What does he care politically? Um, whereas you have Xi on the other side, who is self-appointed president-dictator for life at this point. He has no mandates. He's not seeking re-election. There's no way he's going to be... Well, I mean, he may be physically coup ousted, but other than that, uh, he's not watching himself politically. So I think, uh, once again, this represents the sort of the the difference in terms of time investment on on either side. The U.S. is looking for some sort of resolution relatively quickly. China, it redounds to their benefit to drag this on as long as possible, uh, because eventually they they can promise something. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get to that in 2025. Trump will handshake on that because good enough and then they'll never have to deliver on it. I think that that really represents the fundamental dichotomy in terms of trade bargaining um, relations here.
0: Very interesting. Your most recent uh, Propaganda Watch podcast is called Conspiracy Theorists or Domestic Terrorists. We mentioned this in the first segment of the program, and you point out that the term conspiracy theory was first weaponized by the CIA a half a century ago. And um, you you talk about a recent Yahoo.com article reporting that the FBI for the first time has identified fringe conspiracy theories as a domestic terrorist threat. Well, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there, <laughs> James. <laughs> I'm probably one of them. So um, give us the, your, your your insights on this uh, bizarre development.
1: Yes. Well, for people who don't know about the history of the conspiracy theory term, I have talked about it a number of times, but it does... I mean, I, I won't say the term itself sources back, but the weaponization of the term sources back to a, uh, a CIA document, I believe from 1967, and I won't have the exact number of that document off the top of my head. I believe it's 1095-360, but you know, for all the amount that I talk about it, you'd think I would have that memorized by now. Anyway, uh, you can look in my archives for more about that. Specifically, I did an episode of my podcast called The C-Word about conspiracy theory. But essentially, in the wake of the Warren Commission uh, findings being released and, and uh, various people fi- uh, casting doubt on the official findings of the Warren Commission, obviously looking into the assassination of JFK, Uh, the CIA was advising its uh, agents and uh, operatives within the U.S. media and elsewhere to denigrate the conspiracy theories that were being propounded at that time about assassinations about JFK and basically to to say that there's no new information that's come to light that would uh, falsify the Warren Commission and so we should trust that these people did their job, blah, blah, blah. But the key part of that was conspiracy theory, conspiracy theorists, and basically, marginalizing anyone who had questions about official government uh, pronouncements uh, in that way. And I think from that point, I think it's demonstrable that that term, conspiracy theory and conspiracy, th- conspiracy theorist, entered the public lexicon in a large way and became that sort of term that we think of today the pejorative term, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. That seems to be all that you need to say in order to immediately disqualify whatever that person is saying, no matter how much evidence they have for their conspiracy theory. So in that context, it was perhaps inevitable, but nonetheless disheartening to see the FBI release this document or not release. It was obtained by Yahoo News, whatever that means, uh, last week. And um, they did write about this and and posted the document up. It's a do- an intelligence bulletin that was posted by the FBI feel, uh, Phoenix field office, I believe in March of this year. Anyway, earlier this year, they uh, penned this document and released it. And Yahoo News obtained it and posted it, and so now you can go and read it online. And I di- I hope people will, if they're interested, will take a look at that video. It's quite a an in depth video where I do go through and specifically read the document and the important uh, highlight important passages from it. Um, but long story short, essentially the FBI is now saying, well, conspiracy theorists may be motivated by their you know crazy theories to do violent acts, to commit violent acts, illegal acts, and therefore. And and actually, the therefore is left largely hanging at this point. I mean, it's kind of like a be on the lookout for conspiracy theorists. But as they even note in the document itself, well, the FBI is prohibited legally from actually starting investigations on people uh, exercising First Amendment constitutionally protected free speech. So you can't really actually open investigations or, or start profiling people or start Uh, harassing or targeting people simply because they propound conspiracy theories whatever that means and the FBI document does give some examples of what they're talking about like belief in a new world order that's seeking to form a global government, or belief that the UN is working against American interests, or uh, belief in false flag terrorist attacks being used to uh, prod the the population in one direction or another, i.e. everything that I talk about at the corporate report on a regular basis. So I suppose I would be the the poster child for this this new document that comes out, which is scary, obviously, uh, in a sense. I mean, To some extent, we've already known, I think, for some time that the government targets its opponents and enemies or what it sees as enemies, i.e. anyone who doesn't uh, buy the propaganda wholesale. But now they are outright black and white. Here it is. They are saying, essentially, the conspiracy theorists are the enemies. But don't worry. I mean, the FBI isn't illegally allowed to to investigate anyone for legally constitutionally protected speech so i i i, I don't know what they th- say the point of this intelligence bulletin is but a- as i say i think we could all see that it was heading in this direction because it is it is that uh that old that old adage about first they uh, laugh at you uh then they fight you then you win uh we have definitely moved past the laugh at you i mean uh now you can't simply dismiss vast sections of the population with that term conspiracy theorists because everybody holds conspiracy theories of some form or other at this point because the government explanations of so many events have become laughable so now they they are quote unquote going to the fight you part of that phrase which i don't want and i don't I don't know many people who actually want to see this become some sort of physical violent altercation because if it does, and if and when it does, the state wins that every single time. They have the forces. They are prepared for this. They have been preparing for this. They have released document after document, and we've shown it over the years that they are preparing for large-scale domestic unrest. Uh, So they are going to win a physical violent altercation, which is why I think they want to provoke one. But there's my conspiracy theory for the day. I, on the other hand, propound such things as I articulated in an interview that I, or sorry, a video that I recorded as the voting was taking place for the 2016 selection there in the United States. I recorded a video called Only Love. Can defeat the new world order and that is still fundamentally my position on this i am i do not advocate violence i'm not a violent person and not <laughs> none of the conspiracy theorists i know are but having said that i'm sure there are genuinely crazy people who will go out and, and commit violent acts because of whatever because of literally because of anything criminally insane people will use anything and a couple of things i point out in that video that i did well like Charles Manson supposedly being motivated by his supposed belief that the Beatles were the four horsemen telling him to start a race war or whatever. I mean, delusional people have delusional ideas. I, I I think there's a lot more to be said about the Manson murders and all of that sort of stuff, but even just taking it at face value, what does that mean? Does that mean anyone who's a Beatles fan is potentially dangerous, potentially harmful, potentially criminal? Well... I guess, yes, literally, I guess, yeah, potentially, but how big is that potential, and can you quantify that, and what does that mean, and what should we do? Should we ban the Beatles because someone went insane and started killing people? Well, no, that seems like not the right thing to do. So what do we do if some crazy conspiracy theorist goes out there and commits a violent act? And then the other side of this, to even put the tinfoil hat on even more tightly, uh, of course, well, wouldn't it be in the benefit of people who want to crack down on dissent to Stage or otherwise manipulate some event to happen and be able to blame it on conspiracy theorists, i.e. a a false flag to be blamed on conspiracy theorists. And I I sort of made that observation when this document first came out about six days ago, and lo and behold, now we have mass shooters who were posting their treatises on 8chan and other... Horrible places on the web did that we must read, now. Did you read that one guy's manifesto? I have not read it myself. No, but I can certainly imagine the types of things that will be in there. But uh, my mind immediately wanders to the questions of how how we know the authorship of this document, and and even even if everything is well, as stated and everything is at surface level, um, to what extent some the ramblings of a crazy person should be the driving force of our political conversation.
0: No, no doubt. The ramblings of a critical, uh, of a, a mental person. However, I read part of it and it got creepy and then I couldn't do it anymore. But the very beginning of it, James, he talked about, yes, it was, you know, racist in the beginning and so forth and whatnot. But it was a lot of what you hear on radio today when we talk about the multinational corporations, when we talk about how the technology and the robots are are replacing humans and, and the jobs and, and government is not taking care of this and not a- addressing these issues, those would be conspiracy-theorist thoughts. It's talked about on the radio. So is this uh, the beginnings of what you're stating as a, a conspiracy theorist false flag.
1: It could certainly it be looks beat? like it could go that way. And, and the interesting part to note about this is what things are brought up from these shooters or alleged shooters. I mean, we don't even know the details of the investigation of these things. But at any rate, what details are brought up and what are suppressed um, and what things are pointed to and, what, and then what is trumpeted in the media. I mean, several years ago, there was a, a, a shooting event at a... Discovery Channel or, or something along those lines. I don't have the details in front of me, but it turned out that the shooter was motivated by his uh, belief that, well, we're destroying the environment and we're overpopulated and blah, blah, blah. So he needs to go out and, and shoot some people, I guess. Um, that was the the motivation. But of course, when that was revealed, can you imagine that that was trumpeted? Oh, here's the new domestic extremist threat. It's people who are environmentalists. No, of course, that wasn't the way that the uh, the mainstream media... Um, suppressed that story but uh, of course whenever there's some sort of politically expedient way to blame this on a, uh, a portion of the population that the that certainly the media is fighting with then they'll do so um, and it could go either way uh, in an environment like this for example now apparently There are reports coming in and pictures being posted of death camps for Trump supporters now flyers being posted around (laughs) New York City. Now, suppose that motivates someone to go out and shoot someone wearing a MAGA hat. I mean, again, what kind of reaction is that going to cause? And will that further amplify things? And does this this become a self-generating thing? Uh, To a certain extent, can these types of events be whipped up or engineered in some way that then cause a reaction that is not engineered, or at least not pre-planned. And that's a possibility as well. There are many possibilities for the way this plays out. Unfortunately, uh, one of the smallest possibilities is that this all just goes away, that this all just gets calmed down and things go back to as usual, quote-unquote, because the nature of these types of events, and especially the way they are reported is to actually amplify them and to create the copycat effect where more people will start to actually manifest these types of events. Whether they were staged or engineered in the first place, the reactionary events or the copycat events can be very real. And that's that's another aspect to this, the way the media plays into these situations, one that has been pointed out for decades now, uh, glorification of the Columbine shooters and, and other things like that. Uh, unfortunately, that, that aspect of this still continues to this day, and we still get to hear the, about the name and, and, and uh, of these supposed shooters within minutes of, of these things happening, and they get a type of fame that is extremely dangerous because, again, this creates shooters, and the media knows this. There have been scientific studies about this. No one who works in media is unaware of the fact that they are actually creating more events when they cover them in this fashion.
0: What a world we live in today, James. So much violence, so much hate, and uh, it's just going to continue to, um, it, it's, I, I don't see an improvement until, you know, some drastic things begin to happen. And, um, and that's a topic for another day because we are out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us, and uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you visit James's website, thecorbettreport.com, and of course, theinternationalforecaster.com. We'll talk to you in another couple of weeks, James. Thank you, everyone. We'll be back uh, later. Be safe. Good night, and God bless.